Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. Today's episode is with Seth Waltz. Seth is a runner living in Boston with a running squad about as big as his goals. Seth, or common athlete, not only knows everyone in the Boston running community, but runs with just about all of them on a weekly basis. We talk training, his passion for helping others, and how he went from nearly a four-hour first marathon to his goal of lining up in the elite corral at the Boston Marathon, and why that's important to him. Enjoy. I am here with Seth Waltz, who is a runner and, uh, and self-proclaimed common athlete here in Boston, Massachusetts. Seth, thanks for uh, coming on the For the Long Run podcast. Yeah, I love it. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Well, let's uh, let's dive right into it. Um, common athlete. You're a pretty fast dude. Uh, let's hear it. Where did, where did common athlete come from? Common athlete <clears throat> came from, um, I actually, when I first started running, I had a blog and uh, the first... Uh, race that I ever trained for and ran or raced was the Boston Marathon in 2014. And, uh, you know, I was raising money for that. It was a charity thing. And I found that a lot of people back home where I'm from in upstate New York were just really interested in following along and wondering how it went and how training was going. So I decided to just create a blog so that they could follow along with me. And, um, you know, I thought it might help create a little more buzz for maybe raising some money. And I, um, I, I called the blog The Common Athlete. And so that just sort of stuck with me since. I don't have the blog anymore. I think it got erased somewhere in the interwebs. But, <laughs> but it sort of stuck. I kind of liked it. Cool. And you're from upstate New York. You've got the 516 tattoo. Oh, 518, brother. 518. 518. Yeah, it's everywhere. No tattoo. But uh, I love the 518. Cool. And what was the charity team you were you were fundraising for back in 2014? Um, that's actually – that's kind of interesting is um, I, I basically decided – I didn't have one initially. And uh, I basically – it was the one of the last days of January and, and I won't go into what sort of prompted this maybe a year previous. But I said, you know, I'm running the Boston Marathon this year. I don't have a charity uh, or a bib. Uh, but I'm just, it's time for me to do it. So, uh, I just started training. I downloaded some crappy website or, uh, a, a training plan from the website and, uh, I just started training and I was just hopeful that I would be able to find a way to get a bib, not knowing how it worked. And, uh, just through some contacts through, you know, clients and, and people I've worked with and our, uh, the firm that that I associate with has a, a charitable foundation. We were finally able to, like through John Hancock and some other people, piece together a, a bib. So we ended up raising money for our charitable foundation, um, uh, and uh, we got a bib finally. I think maybe like two or three weeks before <laughs> the, before the race. So it worked out. It worked out well. I was pretty happy. Nice. But you were pretty pretty committed to running that marathon? I just decided I was like I was running regardless. I would have probably banded it, which, which you know, you probably can't do anymore, but uh, <laughs> I was willing to. And so this was this was 2014. How how much earlier did you had you gotten into running? 
Um, I I hadn't really. I mean, I had. Um, so just as a quick reference, I I played soccer through you know high school and through college. I went to UNH, and then I um, I only played three years there. I had a, just a series of back injuries that ended up causing an early retirement, and then I never really got that fixed. And so, really, for the next uh, decade <clears throat> out of college. Uh, I really did nothing because every every time I um, you know I tried to do something, I'd pick up basketball, go to the gym, do whatever. I would end up flaring up some issue with my back, and then being unable to like even walk around the house, feeling like an old man. And so then I would do nothing. And then you know the the winter before, so I guess that's fall, winter 2013. You know, finally, everyone was like, you should try yoga. You should try yoga. It'll be great for you. And and me just sort of remembering what I used to be in this athlete and like, you know, like a typical male, like whatever, whatever yoga, that's what's that going to be good for? I'm not, that's not going to be any fun, <laughs> like an idiot. But I drove by a yoga studio, you know, every day to and from work. And I was like, you know what? Shame on me. I can't do anything right now if I don't just stop in and give it a go. And um, I did that. And it kicked my ass, and uh, it was pretty amazing. And I left. I got in the car afterwards, and I was like, I don't even know if I have the energy to drive home. <laughs> but I like that feeling. And it was it a good. hot yoga class? It was a hot yoga class, and it was like a flow class too. So we were like, I mean, I probably spend half the time in child's pose. It's <laughs> <laughs> really the best way to do yoga. <laughs> so I was like, great, I can do this. On the way to or from work, I ended up going to yoga maybe two or three times a week. And so I did that. Um, you know, for the rest of the winter, a couple of months into January. And then uh, I decided I was going to run the Boston Marathon. And that was kind of the progression. There was no progression. It was just, uh, I'm going to do this now. All in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, you went from not being a runner as a soccer player. Well, I guess you run in soccer to like, what did your training look like? We'll get into what your training looked like now, but what did yeah. your training look like for that for that marathon? I know you mentioned you were you know you found a program online, things like that. Yeah, so like I had you know I had I literally had done nothing but work too hard and party too hard and eat the wrong things for a long time out of college, and then I started doing yoga, and I was really attached to that. So the training program I found, I forget who put it together, but it was one designed to not be running focused. It was one that was coincided with someone who did other cross training and of course i knew nothing about running or training for for race so i think by cross training they meant other things that would you know strengthen your running cause not necessarily um <laughs> three days a week of yoga so i had two running days i probably ran four miles and then six miles and then i did a long run on on sunday and you know starting in february i had two two and a half months so it was basically that. I had two easy runs. I did yoga a couple times, and then I slogged through these long runs <laughs> by myself in the middle of nowhere, and it was painful. <laughs> and you were in Boston at the time, right? I was, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So one of the things – I know we talk a lot about training on our uh, on our Taco and Normatec nights. Yes. One of the things that, that I've re recognized that you've kept consistent with is the yoga and the cross training and the swimming and the strength mm -hmm. training. So how did how did those lessons you learned early on as sort of a, a newbie runner, um, how do you apply all of that? Is that why you still do it today? 
Yeah, I, there, I mean, there are a couple reasons I do it. I guess on a most basic level, you know, I, I feel much happier physically and and really mentally when I just feel like I'm a a good complete athlete. And so, you know, if I I've gone through periods of time where I've just run and beaten my legs up on the roads, and it and it you know really takes its toll. But but when I do other things like you know, swimming and cycling and yoga and go to the gym and, you know, go to November project and, and do those other pieces, I stay healthier and I'm happier. And as a result, maybe I, maybe not all of the things I do are ideally focused towards making me a faster runner, but I think because I'm happier and healthier, it makes me a better runner. And so I, I can stay in the game and, and keep progressing. Definitely. I think that's one of the consistent things that I keep hearing from athletes that I've been chatting with. Um, you heard Ben Rosario's podcast where he said he doesn't even talk about time goals. It's all process. Um, so how, how early on did you, did, did you start understanding the importance of, um, not just hitting splits all the time, but, but enjoying it and thriving and, and having fun while doing it? Yeah. It took me a long time to be honest, because while I was doing, you know, other, you know, I was going to, you know, after the Boston Marathon, I was surprised that as badly as that race sort of went for me, I was surprised that I, at least on the other end of it, was still healthy. And, um, and I was looking for my, I was looking for my next challenge. And um, I had been introduced to November Project, which is free fitness uh, here in, in Boston. And they do a lot of different things that I just really enjoyed and it felt good and it, and it made me stronger. And so I continued doing that and yoga just because I loved doing those things and I hadn't really thought about it. But when I, when I did, you know, target a next race, frankly, that fall, you know, I did have a time target and I did have a real training plan that did have some prescribed splits and I got <laughs> angry and frustrated every time I wasn't hitting them and wondering why and questioning how the training was going. So initially it was not, you know, I hadn't connected the dots. I was just doing what I enjoyed doing and doing what I had to do and, you know, making the best of it. But it really hasn't been until recently that I've sort of you know, loosened up a lot and said, you know, I need to be happy and I need to remain healthy. And I think there are some different ways of thinking about my training and my racing that will allow me to do that. So I'm just going to focus on that. And it has had a lot to do with, you know, I thought that podcast you did with Ben Rosario was really A plus. And, um, you know, that's really a common, there are some common themes, I think, especially within the running community and, and at the top end of the you know, these elite training teams that have resonated well with me. And one of them is just, you gotta, you gotta be happy and you gotta enjoy the process. Um, you know, there was a quote from one of the runners on Tim Man Elite that was just, you know, philosophically while they're training, what, you know, what he's thinking is there's, there's nowhere else I'd rather be and there's nothing else I'd rather be doing. And so obviously you can't make that up. That has to be true and valid but you got to be you got to put some some things together that make you happy and not want to be doing anything else or or be anywhere else and if you can do that you can sustain your training and so that's really what i'm trying to do cool let's talk about the process of of going from you were doing 15 to 25 mile weeks for that first marathon and (laughs) now you're doing you know you're peaking at four times that five times that six times that how how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, it's been a... It's been five years elapsed, but... It's been five years, yeah. And it's, as, you know, I think about it from time to time, 
And it's, it's really been a, a progression for me. And I think one of the, one of the small pieces that has kept me as engaged in the running piece and focused on trying to find my best and being able to work as hard as I do to pursue that, you know, the, 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 I think running a lot of times training to get the most out of yourself is a thinking man's sport in that, you know, there's just so many variables that can make you feel good or feel, or feel poorly at any given point in time. And there are all sorts of different training philosophies, all of which really work really well if applied correctly. And so, you know, I've always, I've always enjoyed, like, I'm a tinkering type of person. And so I would, you know, start training and I would take what I thought went well previously and what I know other people are doing better than me and add some things and see how that goes. And, you know, some things work out and some things don't. And, you know, sometimes I've had success adding mileage and sometimes that's hurt me. And sometimes I've had success making my workouts harder and longer. And sometimes that's hurt me. And <laughs> so it's just been a, it's been a progression. And, um, you know, it's, I take a lot of notes. I try to read as much as I can. I ask as many people for help that I feel are knowledgeable and, and try and take it from there. Cool. One of the things that I respected about you over the years is you're always willing to delay a workout or take an extra day off or take an easy day um, versus just hammering. And like, I'm going to get this workout done on Tuesday or I'm going to get this workout done on Wednesday because that's when it showed up yeah. on, on my plan. Have you always been that way or has that been like, did you learn that lesson over and over and over again before it finally stuck? Yeah, I mean, I, I really, I really only had to learn it once. I mean, I tried to do, um, I always tried to do early on, I think, in my training, I always tried to do this marathon pace workout right after doing a really heavy workout involving my legs the day before. <laughs> and I was always wondering why it wasn't going the way that I wanted it to. Um, I was like, I'm never going to achieve my goal because I can't hit this damn pace split. And then, you know, um, I took a couple weeks off from that workout the day before and those marathon pace runs started going exactly as I wanted them to. And it was like, you know, what a dumb dumb. <laughs> Obviously, you can't do two hard days in a row and expect it to go well. So I just learned that lesson there. And, and then it progressed from you can't always expect to work, you know, feel good when you wake up and you want to work out. So you can try that workout, but it's miserable and you're probably not going to do well at it. And then it's going to screw up your recovery for the next couple of days. So, you know, um, just be cool and take a day off or take an easy day and do it another time. And it's, it's tough, you know, for like you and I, and a lot of our friends, we've got full-time jobs. And so sometimes it's really important to us that we do exactly what we said we were going to do and the time allotted in our week because the rest of the week's accounted for. And so it's tough to move things around. But, you know, if you're if you're really after performance, you really have to be able to make smart decisions every day to not only perform, but, you know, avoid the worst case, which we've also had a lot of friends do, which is avoid getting injured. You know, that's been my one of my major things is, you, you know, I'm just trying to stay in the game and stay consistent so that I can keep making progress. And I know injury is going to derail me. And so you, you, you do dumb things like train too hard too often and it's going to catch up with you real quick. I can take this one of many ways. There are a lot of things I'd like to follow up on here. So let's, uh, 
Let's go with the the balancing work and and play or work and training. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of athletes that have the luxury of coming home, kicking up their legs, and taking a nap after their workouts. And then there are a lot That's of us, nice. yeah. And and there are a lot of us that, um, like I literally run commute and and I go straight from shower to breakfast to a meeting, and. How do you and and I'm sure you do you know you do that as well. Um, how do you manage running 80 miles a week with a job and with social obligations and with you know whatever else is is yeah. out there? Yeah, it's not easy. It's not easy. Some some weeks and some months uh, is more difficult than others. And um, you know, I'm, what I'm trying to do is, first of all, I'm fortunate in the career that I have that I can be very flexible with my calendar. And so, you know, we joked about this the other day. Yeah, I get into the office at 8 o'clock, ache everybody else, but but I'm on mountain time. <laughs> I'm on Flagstaff time. <laughs> Yet live in the East Coast, so my 8 o'clock and your 8 o'clock is different. But... You know, I, like I can control my calendar of when I have appointments and when I need to see clients. And so on days where I need to sleep in a little bit more and work out a little longer, I'll make sure that I don't have a work obligation until, you know, maybe 10 o'clock in the morning so that I can do that. But um, balance, it's not as balanced. It, there, there's actually imba- – it's imbalance, I think, successful imbalance in a way because – um, I think you have to prioritize a couple of things that are most important to you and that will leave you sort of like I said before, doing what you want to do when you want to be doing it. And then you have to recognize that maybe uh, there are other things that are important to you and that you would like to be doing that you just can't right now. And, um, you know, I'm sure if you talk to my mom, she would say, Seth, how's running going? Great. When are you going to run a little less and, um, you know, go on a few more dates or something? Like, fi- find a girlfriend, will you? You know I want a grandchild. And it's like, oh, geez, here we go. I love it. So, no, but like social activity, it's not just work versus versus training. It's the, the social things in your life or the other pursuits that people have. You just have to um, focus on the one or two that are most important and make you the happiest now and then have other periods in your year or maybe in your life where you focus on on the other things and i'm trying the best to do that but it can be frustrating yeah i think we're at a time right now where like we don't have kids and they're they're a lot yeah less uh obligations that maybe some of our coworkers have or some of our training partners have that like now's the time to right. get after it and and you know the two of us can sit and talk about running while eating dinner and right. and using Normatec and like that checks a box that's right. a social obligation and it's a right. it's a it's a recovery well i you know i also say that like you know one one of the things that i admire by about you and 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 some other friends is it's not just that we're it's not just that we're lucky to have some flexibility or have some free time you know there are a lot of people that i think have more flexibility than they think and more free time than they recognize but they don't they're not as thoughtful about choosing what they want to do and then just going after it and doing it you know it it's it's actually difficult to just okay i want to train hard 
uh, that's easy to fill your calendar with. But most people won't actually take that step. And maybe it's not training. Maybe it's something in your professional life. Maybe it's something like volunteering or or learning something new. It's like you also have to think about how you want to fill your time and then and then go and do that. Because whether you're running a lot of miles or your your job is challenging, we're all tired and we all want to be lazy and we all want to mail it in sometimes. But, you know, I think that um, part of living your best life entails not just prioritizing what you want, but like going and making that happen and then making sure you space the time to do that. I think most people just lose that first step. And it's unfortunate because, you know, we all we live in a we live in a big city. Everybody's I mean, we don't we, there's not as much road rage and angry drivers around because everyone's living a happy, simple life. That, you know, everyone's frustrated about things. Yeah. So go live your best life. And if you're not, you know, that's kind of on you. It's not it's not anybody else's fault. I love that. Um, I'm going to pick on the comment you made about living in, in mountain time. Um, it's specifically Flagstaff. Yes. We've we've talked at length about training in Flagstaff or training camps or you know whatnot, and one of the things that we both thrive on is the community. So let's let's first start with um, like who's your who's your crew here in Boston? You don't uh, have to name names, but like yeah. the groups and, no. and stuff. Uh, well, my main squad is, uh, Heartbreakers Running Club, Heartbreak Hill Running Company. That's the, um, you know, that's the team I race with and, and train with and, and a, a huge part of my personal social life. But, but I, but people will also joke with me that, that <laughs> I run with all, or I train with all the groups in Boston, right? So I've mentioned <laughs> he, <November>. he does. <laughs> I've mentioned, I, you know, I've mentioned November Project. I love, I love that. I love that crew. You know, they're a running group. I'll run with any running club, regardless of what their, what their schedule is. And and there and there are, you know, you've asked me at different points in time, like, hey Seth, when do you run? And it's, you know, I've got, we've got Drill Club on Wednesdays, we've got Cortado Club on Thursdays, we've got a group that runs on Fridays. Here's what we're doing for long runs. And um, so I, to me, the social aspect of, of anything is, is important, running especially, especially if you're training hard because it gets difficult, especially in Boston and New England when, when the weather sucks. And, you know, if, if in fact you're marathon training or for you, you know, you, you're training for an ultra, um, it gets to be a grind. And so you can't, you can't do that on your own. And so I, I've always – um, I've always loved my time running with other people and there's a social element of it. And, you know, it's more basic really for me. It's like, if I, if I meet you and I like you, I just in my head assume you're my new best friend and I'm going to start, you know, not only being nice to you, but I'm going to invite you to everything that I'm doing and I want you to come. And I just think that we're really fortunate in Boston to have an incredible fitness community and running community. And I try to plug into that as much as possible because it makes my social life and my personal life even better, but it's really one of the main things that allows me to continue working as hard at this running thing um, as I am because I've got great people around me that support me and lift me up and, and that are doing the same thing with me. So, you know, it's like you're never alone doing it. Definitely. And I feel like some of, one of the reasons that people are always down to support you or people are, um, you know, cheerleaders on the side or or pumped to watch you race because you do so much to help and lift other people up 
I've asked you to help me with workouts, I don't know, half dozen times. And every single time you've been like, yeah, sure. I'll meet you here at this time. And I just remember the, the, the funniest one was the one uh, we did on the Harvard indoor track. We did a two-mile time trial. And I was at 100% effort. And you were just chatting my ear off. And it was, it was fucking hilarious because I, I had no capacity left to do anything but just churn the legs. And you were just like, yep, we're nailing the splits. Yep, yep. Chatter, 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 chatter. Oh, did you see what's going on over there? Oh, I'm doing this later today. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And it was, it was fucking awesome because, <laughs> because you – like it, it couldn't have been that easy. But you were – I mean we were running mid-five. So like it mm-hmm. wasn't slow, but it wasn't <clears throat> like we weren't blazing fast. Right. And – it was just like it was just like a fun day for you. Yeah, it is fun. Well, it's always fun, you know, uh, on a personal level. One of the things that you know, I just enjoy helping people, and it doesn't doesn't matter what it is. If it's running, or you know, in my career, what I do in essence is I is I help people, and it's just always something that's that's been very motivating for me. And uh, um, in fact, it's such a higher priority helping other people at times than doing things for myself. I, I just don't, it's not as, it doesn't, you know, charge me up as much doing things for me. And, and I know one of the things that's helped me out in continuing to work hard and train as hard as I do is how my other friends, you included, have, have just helped keep me in the game and help motivate me and help support me. And there have been plenty of workouts I could tell you about where, I was huffing and puffing and didn't think I was going to get through another lap, let alone another rep or the rest of the workout. And the person that was helping pace me was just chit-chatting. <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, this guy's taking time out of this day yeah. to help me out. Or, I don't, you know, I still have to pace the person behind me, so I don't want to let them down. And it's just one of those things that, you know, I, if somebody asks me for help um, and I can accommodate that, I'm going to do that. And I think, you know, it's part of just being a good person and, 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 and helping the community and helping your friends out. And I just, I like the good, the good vibe that comes along with it. Definitely. So one of the, the big goals you've had that you've been very public with is the BQ elite, um, and getting, getting to that start line in Hopkinton, not just, uh, you know, sub three, but pretty far under sub three. Um, let's talk about like, where did that come from? (laughs) That, uh, that didn't start out as a practical goal. I kind of (laughs) got myself into trouble with that one. Uh, what, what, when you decided on that, what was the fastest marathon you had run? So my first marathon was, um, Boston. And I think I ran something like, uh, 352 or 353 or something like that. And then, um, you know, I finally met some running friends and I met, you know, the November project friends that I have and they were like, well, you can't let this marathon thing be your only Define, attempt. Yeah. So, you know, let's sign up for one this fall. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. let's do it, whatever. Um, but you know, I didn't know what to think about as a goal. And somebody's like, well, you know, you've got to qualify for Boston. That would be great. Okay, sure. You just tell me what to do. So, you know, so that in that fall, it was my goal to qualify for Boston and you had to run 305 at the time was the standard. And I was able to, I was able to do that. So I think I ran 302 and along that period of training, I just sort of got more into the actual event of the Boston Marathon and the running part of it, whereas previously it was just this big deal that happened in Boston that I was 
you know, I thought was incredible, but didn't really get it as a runner. And so, um, you know, I just started looking into the Boston Marathon more. And, and one of the really cool photos that I had found was the starting line from maybe it was 2014, maybe it was 2013. And it was that moment. There's a really cool moment at the start of a race, which I love if I'm spectating. I always try to get to the starting line and capture this moment, which is, you know, you've got all of the athletes lined up at the starting line and they're waiting, you know, kind of anxiously for the gun to go off. And then it does. And they like spring forward. And so that initial moment where they're springing forward with their first step and some people are like starting their watches and other people are just focused on the road ahead. I just love that moment. And I found that um, captured the start of the Boston Marathon. And it was, you know, Meb and Ryan Hall and everybody else at that elite starting line. And I was just like, God, I love this photo. And I wonder what it would be like to like start a race, you know, at the, <laughs> at, the, at the front, at the starting line. And, uh, you know, of course, I could have just gone to some little hometown race and started at the front and was like, oh, that's cool. But I said, you know, I would love to start at the beginning of the Boston Marathon. I don't know what that means, but like, you know, that's kind of my goal. And so that's where it kind of took off. Like I kind of threw that out to a few friends, you know, geez, I'd really love to start at the beginning of the Boston Marathon. They're like, yeah, right, buddy. <laughs> you never get a, you can't do that. That's like for elite athletes. I was like, yeah, so what, I mean, what, tell, what I got to do? Tell me what I got to do and I'll do it. And so finally I was like, I got sick and tired of enough people like laughing at that. I was like, what are you laughing at? And so I emailed the elite coordinator of the BAA and was like, hi, I ran Boston last year. <laughs> I don't remember what my time was, but I was wondering what you had to do uh, to start at the front with the elite athletes. I didn't see a standard published on the website anywhere. And, uh, and Did you get a reply? I got a reply. I could actually bring it up for you. I'll see if I can bring it up. I actually <clears> – <throat> actually, maybe this is a little embarrassing. Of course I can bring it up because it's like one of only two start emails in my entire e-box, <laughs> email box. So anyway, I got this email from Mike um, Peroni, who I don't think is the elite athlete coordinator anymore for the BAA, and he said the standard for elite entry for men is this, and the standard for elite entry um, for women is this. And, uh, I was and like, you were on either of those. <laughs> um, <laughs> December 8, 2014, elite entry to Boston Marathon. And uh, let me know if you have any additional questions. I probably was like, yeah. How do I, How do run I get that there? Fast? So, and what what was the? It's uh, it's essentially an invitational, so they reserve the right to invite or not invite right. anybody into the elite field. But the response is essentially low two twenties, two twenty one is not something they advertise, but was but but what was sort of given to me as a guideline. So like once a year, I would check in and be like, hey, Mike, you know, what's going on? Not there yet, but how many people in the elite field this year? So it's funny. And who's the slowest? Yeah. <laughs> and what do I get? I'm not quite on my way. So that's funny. So I looked that up from time to time. And uh, I actually, I think I then, he gave me that. And I posted on Facebook, like, well, I'm just going to do this. And... Uh, and somebody, Micah Risk, our friend, was like, I love it. I'm going to do it too. Let's do it. We'll do it in like two years or something. I don't know. Obviously, I'm a slow learner because I'm still not there yet, but 
I'm still charging forward. I'll get there. Nice. Hopefully, I love it. And you're self-coached, right? I am. I am. I don't know if that fully represents what goes into my co- and what goes into my training, but well, by and large, yeah. You you put together your own plan, but yeah, I often see um, your workouts, and they're similar to ones that I've done, or um, albeit at much different paces. Or um, it's but let's hear about the sort of the style. What what are the what do the workouts look like? You know? Yeah, I mean, it's my 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 training has evolved really, and and in part, you know, due to research I do. If if ever there's a new book coming out about running the marathon or training, I'm going to buy it and I'm going to take notes and I'm going to mark it up and I'm going to, you know, as I'm going through my current training, I'm going to write notes on what goes well and what doesn't, and then try to incorporate new things. And so, you know, my personal style, what works well for me is I'm pretty good at doing higher mileage. And I really like longer, harder workouts. Um, unfortunately, I can't do both at the same time. That's where things usually start to blow up for me a little bit. But, um, you know, I've got my uh, training, my model training week pretty well dialed in. And I've got my build up to a marathon, maybe 8 to 12 hard weeks dialed in. At this point, and so I really just try to substitute workouts that I find fun or interesting or a little bit different, and I'll get them from lots of places, people in my running club that I work out with, other coaches. I mean, there are probably a handful of coaches that I follow very closely, you know, on social media, and I've bought their stuff, and I just really love what they're doing with their teams, and I follow their athletes, and I love the successes that they're having. And so I'm always trying to incorporate a couple new things into what they're doing into my, you know, my training. Cool. Uh, so I literally ran into you on my run this morning. Yeah, um, yeah. You were over at uh, Harvard. Yeah. And you mentioned that the workout you did might be a little story for the podcast. <laughs> I have no clue what that means, but... I don't do any editing on here, so let, let it rip. <laughs> oh, man. You might have to edit after some of my dumb stories. <laughs> it was just, you know, it was a foolish thing. I honestly, it, I can't I can't explain how it happened. I think we've all probably had these workouts where it's a longer workout and maybe you're doing long intervals on the track and, and maybe, you know, you try to dull the pain and you dull the rest of your brain function and you sort of lose track of what lap you're on. And so, <laughs> you know, that's easy, right? You just look at your splits and, you know, you're either done with that rep or you're not. Uh, sometimes I lose track of what I'm doing in a fart lick, a longer fart lick where maybe I'm doing like 10 or 12 or 14 reps of like two minutes on, one minute off, or you get to the end of it and you're just like exhausted and you lose track of, am I at 11? Am I at 12? Am I at 13? Whatever, you know, but usually what happens is you've convinced yourself you've done more than you've actually done and you check afterwards and you're like "Ooh, i was one or two short okay so this morning i had the shortest workout it was a hard one for me and i've been kind of banged up lately so it was kind of painful i just had a couple sets of mile uh followed by four by 400 couldn't be any simpler right so i do the mile and then i just have to be able to count four four hundreds couldn't be any simpler <laughs> but on a 200 meter track on so a 200 <laughs> meter track you know i was indoor today and uh i usually like working out when and where i work out because um very frequently you know a lot of the local 
pro teams are also working out, and I just really enjoy watching them work out. Um, you know, they inspire me a great deal, and, and it's just great watching professionals do what they do in any sport. So I must have been a combination of just – distracted maybe fanboying <laughs> at the other you know is this the new balance women again legi- uh easy geez <laughs> i mean they were all represented baa elite was there suck and he was <laughs> blowing up my spot <laughs> so i you know i think it was a combination of just you know uh watching what they were doing and blocking out how horrible i thought i was feeling during my reps and uh, so I left the workout being like, geez, and I was thinking of adding, you know, another mile at the end of it, just at 10K pace, because that's sort of the distance my training's focused on now. But I got into that final set of 400s, and I'm like, this is, I am drowning. <laughs> I need to get off this track before I embarrass myself, and I need to get in front of some coffee and a breakfast <laughs> sandwich quick, or I'm going to pass out. And so I do my cool down and I'm, you know, I get home and I'm checking my watch and I'm checking my splits and I'm, you know, putting everything into Strava. <clears throat> and I'm like, what, what is going on right now? There's an awful lot of splits here. <laughs> and my 400s, I was sort of doing them at like mile to 3K pace. So, you know, for anybody that relatively speaking is a fast pace and you can't do too many of those. So I I kept thinking while I was going through the workout that I'm like, I'm only on rep one or two, and I still have like two or three more to go. And by the end of it, I ended up doing like four by six or six by 400. I ended up doing way too many 400s. And I'm like, no wonder I felt like I was dying a slow death at the end of this workout because I did way too many reps at like mile pace. And I'm like, I don't know. For most people who maybe listen to your <laughs> podcast and don't do regular speed work, they might be like, I have no idea what he's talking about. But you just don't – You at, a, at the end of a workout, you're dying. You, uh, I think it's very rare ever if a person does far too many reps <laughs> than they were supposed to, especially not short, fast ones. So I was like, I still can't explain. I must have blacked out or something. Yeah, I think I pulled up your Strava here. That's – that's that's hilarious <laughs> but i but you know in hindsight i got through that and i finished my sandwich and it, like initially i was feeling like garbage at like having this poor workout and then i'm like wait a minute you did an extra 20 percent. in fact i did far better than <laughs> than i than i thought i had and i probably would have been better suited just adding another slower mile instead of some 400s and i'm like okay now i feel good and it's like you know I was all, I then started laughing at, you know, how narrow that line is between feeling like crap and then feeling great about something yeah. and how you just got to, you know, I think that's why the, easy. the process pro- approach is so, is so key that like you can laugh at the yeah. fact that you blacked out and did an extra <laughs> and did some extra work. But if you were hard on yourself, you would have been like, right. I fucked this up right. and I did too much work. And right. no, instead you can look at it as like. Yeah, you can get through like this. Yeah. You can add that as a mental win. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the short distance racing. You've done some yeah. some short stuff on the track where you self admittedly have just gotten your ass handed to you. Yeah. You know, on a silver platter. <laughs> Why do you do it on a crappy platter? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it's fun. You know, I think that um, I think racing is fun. I mean, what, one of the things that is so attractive to me about running is is racing. 
right? I, I don't, I'm, I'm not like, I don't love every mile of the 80 or 90 miles a week that I run. Um, and, and workouts are hard, but I think the payoff is racing. And um, that feeling, there's two feelings. And I know you've referenced it recently in your workouts and in your podcast with Ben Rosario, you know, how great it is in, you know, your 5K pursuits to just, you know, put your foot on the gas and go all in and you know you get to mile two and early in mile three and you're like already feeling annihilated but that's that moment at which you're like i'm going to keep my foot on the gas because i'm going to feel amazing at the end and you do yeah and and i love that and you know while i'm far more suited for racing longer endurance distances like the marathon um I think it's it's great developmentally to race shorter distances and I also you can you can present that moment where you're annihilated <laughs> in the race and choose to either mail it in or quit or keep your foot on the gas and and suffer a little bit and get home um you can you can find that shorter and you can feel great after the race um having done that and so you know I've got a buddy at it heartbreak one of my closest friends who who runs the 800 and that like that is a ridiculous distance 800 meters to race that is like i think it's generally accepted that that might be the hardest distance in in running and so he got me to run it last year and it was hard 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 but it was a blast and it's only over you know in a couple of minutes so uh, i've made it an annual thing and i tried it again this year and it was it's still kind hard. of a nightmare. Yeah, I really screwed it up. Somehow, not having any experience last year, I had it was probably no pressure, no experience. Just go out there and run a couple laps around the track. It went great this year. I don't know if I thought that, like, magically I'd wake up and it would be easier and I would run a couple seconds faster because that's easy without any training. And the opposite happened. I just got smoked. It was embarrassing. <laughs> but it was great. I loved it. I'm going to do it again. I might even. I might not even wait a year. Maybe I'll. Maybe I'll... Maybe I'll try one outdoor this year. Well, the cool thing about the short stuff is that you can you can have these massive flops, and it can be. Um, I mean, as long as you get through it, it can be a, a mental win, and you can do it every weekend. Yeah. Whereas, like, you screw up a marathon, or you you know you go out too fast in a marathon. Yeah, you got to respect that recovery process. Yeah, I agree. I like it brings if racing is the most fun aspect of running for me like these shorter distances absolutely you can race them you know i've got friends who who race a couple times a weekend indoor and um you know can do that 5k you know you don't need the same recovery that the marathon requires you know your body when you go really as hard as you can so it's just a lot of fun and i just think for people especially who are trying to maybe chase down some goals at a distance if all you've ever focused on is that distance and training for that distance it just mixes things up race any distance i saw a tweet from uh jason fitzgerald who's a uh the head coach he's a he's a running coach and a podcaster uh, over at Strength Running, and what he said was sometimes he has his marathoners take a, year, a season or two off of marathoning yeah. and just race 5Ks and 10Ks. Yeah. yeah, I think it's great. And, you know, we mentioned your last podcast with Ben Rosario, and, I, you know, I just love a lot of what is going on out there in northern Arizona elite. And I think if you follow a lot of his athletes, you know, the last year while they've by and large, at least the ones that I'm most following – they run the marathon. They've run, you know, Steph Bruce is... is she raced is, yesterday, yeah. Yeah, she raced yesterday. She did it, I think, that, what was it, 10K on the track? Yeah. 
she ran, I think, the first 5K indoor that she had ever run yep. recently, and she's been running forever. And I just think, you know, it's and I know that philosophically he also agrees. He may have even said it that, you know, just get out there and race and see what you're capable of and mix it up. And I just think it's a healthy thing to do for runners, especially if you find yourself getting stale. And it's just, you know, have fun with it. Who cares? Like it's also there's an element of it, too, that is. On some ways, it makes it a little easier because I don't have a history in the 800 or a mile <laughs> or whatever, and and I'm not necessarily training specifically for that distance or that event. You, It is easier to take the pressure off of and just like, maybe it goes great, maybe it goes like crap, but who cares? Just have fun and, and move on. And, you know, as we all like to do here in Boston after all races that typically end with a little party and a few beers, yeah. have a few beers, dance a little bit and, and move on. Yeah. And from a functional standpoint, I think some of my best racing happened when I was serially racing. Is that a word? It's a yeah. word on this podcast. Um, yeah, when I was doing uh, when I was doing five k training, I, I raced five or six in an eight week period. And from a time perspective, I took a minute off of my my PR over that time. And um, from a fun standpoint, I like. You get to that point where you know it's going to hurt. Yeah. And because you did it the last weekend, you know that you can keep the gas pedal down. Right. And that's where Ben Ben and I were talking about, like, leaning into the pain. Like, right. that's where I feel most alive when you can, yeah. like, I just, I remember vividly from Super Sunday this year coming up on that hill at the end <laughs> before you make the turn. Mile four. Okay. Yeah. Well, in the 5K, it's two-ish, oh, yeah. two just over two. And that hill is brutal. Yeah, and that's where the legs, it. yeah, that's where the legs start to get super heavy. And right. that's where you're just like, this is where I find out what I'm made of. Yeah, but it's, but it's, you know, we can talk about it now in, you know, in the, com in the comfort of our cushy penthouse office you've got here. <laughs> Love it. <clears throat> but like, you know, when you're in a race and you haven't felt that in a while and, and you're sort of hit with that, oh shit, this hurts. Yeah. It's very difficult to keep your foot on the gas pedal and keep charging forward. Um, and so like if you were to take part in like any of the 5K series and you were to do that week after week or every other week, like, okay, in that second one, you're like, this is going to suck, but I'm ready for it and I know what it's like and I'm going to do something different. And then maybe in the third or the fourth one, you actually get good at it and you can hammer the whole way. Like, you know, you can do that. And if all like me, like I've been focused on the marathon forever. And so I'm probably, I perform a lot better at that distance than any other distance. And so, you know, it's very challenging for me to find a new personal best at that distance. But because there are other distances I rarely race, if I get frustrated at my seemingly lack of progress, I can just hop to another distance and not only get the feeling that I want to get from racing, but also have some positive outcomes, which are, you know, seeing progress and getting better at that distance and having fun. And I think that's important. You gotta, you gotta have positive outcomes from racing or workouts, um, in order to continue working as hard as you do, or, you know, you, you gotta avoid that burnout. Definitely. Um, I had a chat with my coach after that race and, and I was, super pumped with how the race went but um from an effort standpoint but not necessarily from a time standpoint and he was like athletes that evaluate their self-worth or their their uh status as an athlete based on races burn out yeah. and they you know you can't you can't put too much weight on race day race day is 
icing on the cake. Yeah. Uh, it's the celebration. Right. And I think that's a it's a fascinating approach. Yeah, and you know, you you and I more so you now are really a part of two kind of different running communities. We've got this, you know, road racing community that everyone knows about and then we've got this trail running community that everyone knows about and I think mentally athletes in either discipline go about their training and go about their racing very differently and you know I know if I'm on the roads even having an easy day and that clock ticks off my my split like I kind of want to know what it is I'm not necessarily going to be disappointed or happy or or change my run but I just I just want to know what that split is yet you know you put me out on the trails up in the fells or on a trail race like I don't really care what the split is because it doesn't matter you know and the trail running community never talks about what What's their your pace? 50K yeah. time, what their pace is, yeah. because the terrain and everything is so different that it's not comparable anymore. Right. And so I think that they've actually figured out how to be a happy runner for longer periods of time. And it's just on some levels, it's as simple as taking away that stress of a certain pace or time or the anxiety of having to compare or people seeing your results. And I think that, you know, I wish it were simpler for people you know, training for a particular road race or a distance to, to shut that off, it's just not as easy to do. But if you can and make it about the process and other things, you're absolutely right. There's a lot more longevity. Yeah, I love it. Um, that was one of the reasons I switched over to trail running last year because I was getting too focused on the splits. And yeah. and there's, there have been some points in my training where the splits have been great. And this laser focus on the splits when they're good can feel good in the moment, but yeah. what if they're not good? Like right. you can't be tied to the, you know, how is your easy run? How is your hard race? Things right. like that. Whereas I was doing, you know, two and a half, three, four hour trail runs yeah. and I would have an average pace of nine minutes and 13 minutes and 11 right. minute miles. And it was just like all over the board and it, it just didn't matter what was on the watch at all. Yeah. Yeah, I ran, I ran, so this fall I ran my first cross country race ever. Uh, I think I ran Mayor's Cup in Franklin Park. And, um, you know, not having run in high school and college, I've just never had the, while I've done a lot of, of trail running, I never had the opportunity really to run a uh, cross country race. And I was really down at that point in time this fall after my fall marathon, which I actually had recorded my first DNF. And, uh, and was feeling kind of miserable about that and feeling miserable about how the whole the whole fall and summer ended up going. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter um, what my energy level is or what my training is. I love racing, so I want to get back into racing and just doing it for fun. And so I hopped into the, to the cross-country race, and I just obviously cross-country was easier for me to then think of it as a trail race. And so I didn't care about the pace. I didn't care about the time. I didn't expect to perform well. I just wanted to go out and experience that and have fun. And, you know, I I went out at an effort level that I thought was hard but sustainable and um, kept on that pace and ran with a little pack of people that I was with and a couple of my teammates and then, you know, uh, got to – you know, the hill there, I think it's called Bear Cage or whatever. And I was like, you know what? I'm feeling good. And so 
you know, usually you don't charge up a hill during a race. <laughs> you do the opposite. But I was like, screw it. It's like a 8K or something or 5K. And like, this know is how fun. far I'm going. And I'm, yeah, I'm happy. And the it's birds are chirping. And yeah, <laughs> somebody said, go, Seth. And so, and so I did. And I just finished that race strong. And I don't even know what the time was. I certainly didn't place, you know, very high in the pack. But I just had a, I just had a blast. And I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> you can have a horrible experience in a horrible race and then come back and have a positive experience. And again, it does has nothing to do with the outcome of the time or whatever. You know, you just you ran the way you wanted to, you were relaxed and you had a and you had fun. And so, you know, it was that was just another a lesson learned that, you know, that was a big, I think you had asked, <clears throat> you know, earlier in our conversation, you know, how, how you learn to um, make it more about the experience and the process and less about, you know, the time or the split. And I think, I think this fall was a really big, frankly, now that we're talking about it, a turning point where I went on, you know, I came from this experience where I was feeling seemingly very down after my marathon. And then I followed it up with, you know, a cross country race and then a, a 5k race that wasn't a PR, but I felt good. I got to feel that burn again. And then I, and then I hopped in a 10k, which I rarely do. And that ended up being a PR for me in, in December or November. Um, and then that sort of ended my running year at a really high note when it could have very easily ended, um, you know, in a running depression. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what would you tell 2014 or 2013, Seth, knowing what you know now? looking back on five whole years of wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, just have fun with it. You know, I think that, uh, I think I kind of did it right in a lot of respects. I mean, I found, um, all of my good friends at Heartbreak Hill Running Company via my yoga coach. Interestingly, <laughs> I trained for the marathon without any friends. And finally, at the end, my yoga instructor is like, why didn't you tell me you were running? I <laughs> introduced you to my boyfriend runs Heartbreak Hill Running Company at the time. They're married now. Um, and and so, um, you know, I started running with the folks there and I started working out with the people at November Project. And every time somebody said that they were running, I said, can we run together? And, you know, I've just since then, constantly tried to fill my running or athletic life with other people and people that I enjoy. And, um, I did that right. It was accidentally, it was accidental at the time, but I did that right. And I think that it's helped me from a technical perspective, learn better and, um, fashion my training, but it's also really enriched my life in a lot of ways it's kept me motivated and and the groups that i'm in you know have helped me rise and when i've had down times you know after this fall it was one of my closest friends said i'm running a 5k up in in salem come do it with me and i was like uh, i'm not running i lost my shoes i don't know <laughs> and i did like it and i was like prints. yes that was all. yeah right so, you know, whether it's my whether it's it's my young starting to run self or it's my other friends or it's other people getting into it, just, you know, especially if you live in Boston, you've got no excuse. There's a billion groups of fitness fanatics running, cycling, swimming, whatever. Go find them and spend time with them, um, not just on your runs, but socially afterwards, because, you know, people who... I've found who've committed to fitness in their lives, um, lead happier, healthier lives, but also 
even more than that, my friends who are committed outside of college, outside of, you know, they're not professional runners, to chasing down some sort of goal that inspires them and they're looking to find, you know, what their absolute best is. People pursuing that in their lives, whether running or elsewhere, are just really good people to have in your lives. And so, you know, my I look at my life now versus five years ago and it's so significantly different and so significantly better that, you know, um, it's uh, by and large the community that I've surrounded myself with. That's awesome. Well, I could carry on with this conversation for hours, but uh, thank you so much for uh, for tuning in and yeah. for joining today. Where can people find you on the, the lovely interwebs you can you can i am i've i've kept common athlete everywhere so on um strava i'm common athlete and on uh on the gram instagram i am common athlete as well so follow along i'm half jackass half interesting i don't know maybe that's generous in one of those categories but i'll give you a follow we'll let the listeners uh, decide which which uh, way that level sways but um awesome thank you so much seth yeah thanks for having me That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.